Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How you doing, bud? Very good. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm uh, very excited after after what seems like a couple of weeks delay for, for various reasons to talk about some Symphony X today. Uh, but before we get into Symphony X and, and, and V and, and all the other things that go along with that, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you've been listening to this week or, or any uh, news that kind of hit you? Uh, well, I found out the other day that uh, the Australian power metal band Lord, uh, I guess they were formerly known as Dungeon, um, they are releasing a 23-track covers album. I believe some of the covers they have already recorded as like bonus tracks or EPs in previous times. I know they did like uh, Someone's Crying, which is kind of like a, a kind of like under the under the radar Halloween song from the the Pink Bubbles Go Ape album. Uh, their cover was really really awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and uh, so they just have this this twenty three track, uh, all different stuff: uh, Bon Jovi and Wasp and uh, Queensrÿche and uh, X Japan, Judas Priest and um, and Symphony X. Oddly enough, they do a cover of. Uh, of sins and shadow, which I have not heard, which I would uh, definitely be interested in hearing, but they have released uh, one track already uh, to the moon and back, which is a savage garden cover. So um, you can find that on iTunes and Spotify, Apple music and uh, YouTube and wherever else, if you want to kind of give it a, a, a listen, but um, you know, this is Lord is such a great band. And um, speaking of Lord covers, uh, when they played at, at Prague Power USA, they were the the opening band on uh, Wednesday night a few years back. Probably one of the most impressive um, crowd showings for a, like the Wednesday night opener. The place was packed and full of energy, and it was really cool. But they uh, they finished their set with a Metallica cover of "Creeping Death," which was really cool. So, um, yeah, that, that's uh, just I wanted to mention that um, Andy. Uh, who's the bass player from Lord is like one of the nicest guys. Um, so I uh, definitely wanted to give them a shout out. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this. It's going to be. Yeah. I, I haven't heard the Savage Garden cover or, or any of the other songs on there. Uh, but when I saw the track list, I saw someone's crying and, and I was shocked because it's not the first song you think of when, when you think of Halloween covers It's probably not in the top 50. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear that. And just the, the, the different bands they chose to cover on this is kind of like all over the place. They go from, you know, power metal to alternative music to power metal uh, to prog metal. I mean, it's just like all over the place. So I, 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 I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out. And they uh, are, mind you, this is a band that has covered Kylie Minogue in the past. They, so. There you go. I mean, like, I don't have to tell you it's, it's, they're, they're very, very underrated. I, I look forward to this uh, a lot. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. Um, one band that I had wanted to mention, um, a progressive death metal band called Iotun, I-O-T-U-N-N. I actually had a couple of people text me about this this week asking me if I had heard it. And ironically, I was actually listening to it when one of those texts came through. Uh, the singer for this band is the same singer for Barren Earth, which is a uh, progressive death metal band, kind of in the vein of an opeth. Uh, really, really great band, and I, and I love them. So when I heard he was singing for these guys, I was I was I was all in. Uh, really, really good disc. Uh, one of the heavier things that I've heard this year that I just kind of enjoyed. Um, and I'll definitely post a track or two from that this week. I think it's worth uh, worth putting out there. And one other thing, you had sent uh, me, and obviously posted on our, our Spotify page. 
uh, your latest playlist. I guess it's volume six from this year. Awesome job, man. I, there's, there's some really, really good stuff, a lot of which I had heard and then some of which I actually hadn't heard. And I liked what you did at the end with uh, a bunch of kind of symphonic metal bands at the end with, with some great female vocalists, not least of which is the Heart Healer song at the end, which we kind of talked about last week. Um, so great playlist. And I recommend that everyone go check out the page, not just because I have some playlists up there as well, but just because um, it's, it's kind of like a fast uh, way to keep up with what's going on and kind of like an hour, you know, after an hour, you get a real sense of, you know, what's kind of been going on and, and what we've been listening to. So I highly, highly recommend that. And I, I recommend you check it out. Well, I appreciate the, the kind words. Yeah, it was, it was, it was well done. Uh, but let's, uh, let's, let's get to why we're here. You know, you, you had picked this album, what seems like almost a month ago now. Uh, and, and I thought it was really fitting because I thought it was a band we would definitely cover. And I, I kind of have a lot of polarizing thoughts, which I'll get to, but, um, Let's start with this. How did you even first hear of this band, Symphony X? I mean, they're obviously a New Jersey progressive metal band. They've been around since the mid-90s, but they didn't, I guess, really come to prominence until about 2001, 2002, um, ironically, with this release. What was your first exposure to the band? Uh, I want to say just, I think it was a blind buy, just because... You know, I'd heard so many of our friends, you know, rave about them. And I think um, I want to say that, you know, Mike got Twilight and Olympus. I want to say that was the first album he got and he played that for me. And then I think I ended up getting Divine Wings of Tragedy. Um, and then I, I, re- I remember you getting it shortly after you heard the version, the copy that I had. And um I mean, that album, I think, was just, you know, we just fell in love with the band. And I, I'm speaking for you, so correct me if I'm wrong, but that was my recollection of just hearing that album in high school. I remember actually um, my se- senior year of high school listening to Divine Wings of Tragedy in the car on the way to school with my friend uh, Chris. He was he would drive us to school in the morning, and I remember playing him, like, the first three tracks from divine wings and i'm sure he loved that i'm sure he was looking forward to getting to school that much more after he heard it but um you know if he wasn't a fan of symphony x before that ride i'm I'm sure that didn't hurt but yeah you hit the nail on the head it was like i guess 1999 or so when i when when i first heard divine wings and i was blown away that this local band essentially you know a band that was you know right up the road in the the next state over was playing music like this i could not believe it um, because it obviously had touches of like an Ingve Malmsteen with Michael Romeo's guitar playing with just his like neoclassical style. And then obviously the, 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 pro- the progressive nature of a dream theater or something like that. But I had never heard the two blend together so well. Yeah, agreed. Um, there was definitely this sense of, of like symphonic. Um, it, it's probably like the most up until that point, the most symphonic uh, prog metal band that, that we had heard. And so uh, I think that that symphonic and orchestral style mixed with, like you said, like that Ingve Malmsteen style guitar work, plus with, you know, these, these unbelievable uh, vocals by Russell Allen, who was still just, you know, tearing it up today. He's part of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra now. Um, Such a fantastic and unique sounding vocalist and you know just all those things coming together like really just turned it into this just incredible band uh you know and this is back when you know they only had 
three or four albums or so, you know, the album we're going to discuss, uh, the new mythology suite came out in, in October of 2000. So, um, how did you find out about this album or what was your first experience listening to it? So after I go, so I went on, I think it was CD now at the time. And I spent a small fortune on divine wings because you couldn't get it anywhere else. And the irony is that like of all the bands, they're probably the ones that are like closest to my house. It was, I mean, it's funny, you know, it's funny as it is, but I spent a small fortune on that. I immediately bought Twilight and Olympus. I immediately bought Damnation Game just because I, I I could not get enough of these guys. Like they were, you know, at the time, I, I would say if you had to pick top five bands for me, Symphony X is in the top five. That's how much I, I love these guys. Um, and, and so when I heard that they were coming out with uh, the new mythology suite, I just bought it when it came out. Blind purchase, didn't need to hear a note. I just knew that I wanted to have the album. But just to put things in perspective, at the time that the album came out in late 2000, they weren't on anybody's radar. I mean, yeah, obviously certain people, you know, were kind of in the know, but for the most part, they were really an underground band that, um, they got much more popular over the last 20 years. And I really think that this was the album that kind of springboarded them into that next, uh, that next level of band. And, and they toured a lot for it and stuff like that, which we'll get to. But, uh, you know, for me, like I said, it was just a blind purchase. I just had to hear this album when it, when it came out. And then I remember hearing it and I said to myself, this was just a continuation of, of everything I loved about the band and perhaps their best album debatable. And I think that depending on the most recent one I listened to, um, you know, I, I, let me say it this way: if you if I put on Divine Wings, I remind I'm reminded as to why that's my favorite album. But when I listened to this album this week, I said to myself, you know, this is this is right there with it, just because of how solid this release uh, was from top to bottom. Uh, did you have the same experience, or did you? How did you get your hands on the disc for the first time? You know, I want to say that it was just one of those things where, because it came out in the late late part of the year, I probably like put it on a Christmas list and probably got it for Christmas for my parents. I would usually just give them a list of CDs that I was, you know, that had to come out throughout the year that I hadn't gotten yet. I remember definitely getting like Hammer Falls Renegade, I think that same year. Yep. Um, so I would just kind of make like a list. I want to say same thing with like uh, Camelot's Epica album. It's just like something that, or, or maybe the Karma album, actually. It was just, I would just put it on a Christmas list. And that's probably this one too. And I don't know that I... I definitely, I think I mentioned this when I first told you we were going to talk about this. I, I, um, was familiar going into this with like, maybe like a third of the album, like really familiar and then like not that familiar with the rest. And so, uh, as many times as I've listened to it in the past, I don't know for whatever reason, like only certain songs kind of stuck with me and, I think that this time around, I really, for the first time, kind of appreciated it as a whole uh, from start to finish. Um, so really, like, I would say this week would be kind of the first time, or really the last two weeks when I was listening to it by accident last week. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually ended up getting to listen to it more than I had planned, which I think was a good thing because... Um, it's, I don't know, for whatever reason, at the time that it first came out, maybe because there's so much... Um, it's very like a, it's a very like up and down album as far as the, um, as far as like the themes go, because like there's parts where it's just kind of like, um, orchestral and it's not just one really like hard, uh, hitting song after the other, like you'd be used to on say like divine wings where it's like, you know, out of the ashes and, and, you know, one, one like real 
banger after another. Yeah, exactly. And so this is not really, I mean, it starts out like that, but um, it goes in a lot of different directions. You have like, you know, several instrumental tracks and it's more, it's more of like a journey and a story than any Symphony X album that had been released prior. So maybe that didn't speak to me at the time because, you know, I was less, I was younger and I had less patience and I just wanted to have, you know, get my socks rocked off, like, you know, immediately with every track. So I, that might've been a bit of a turnoff for me when I was younger, but going back to this, I have to say, I appreciate this album now more than, more than I ever have. It's funny you mentioned that because to me, I never listened to single tracks off this album. I always played the whole thing because I really think that you have to kind of take the whole thing is because of the peaks and the valleys and just the way that the, the, the way that it's put together. So when you say that, Oh, you know, there were only a couple of standout tracks for you. It was like the complete opposite experience for me because I just always played it. When, when I played this album, I knew I was basically going to be there for the next hour playing, playing the album. Whereas a, an album like divine wings, I would sometimes pick out certain tracks. If I wanted to hear the accolade, I would just put that on. Um, I, you know, I, maybe I would skip over Medusa or, or something like that, where I just was looking for certain things. But this to me was a journey from, from beginning to end. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of why I had trouble latching on to the songs because like uh, to me like i didn't know if if you had played like one of the tracks in the middle of the album i I don't know that i would have been able to to tell you what track it was whereas like a song like evolution or a fool's paradise i would be able to pick easily whereas like everything else in between those tracks all was kind of like instead of an individual track it was just part of the whole new mythology suite experience so what you just said makes a ton of sense that's interesting now let me ask you this is there anything that really stood out to you now having listened to it again you know really i guess for the first time in quite a while that you know is worth mentioning yeah i think um it's not my pick of the week but um it's i let's just say going into this i knew for sure what my pick of the week was and it wasn't even close and my pick of the week remains the same, but this song gave it a run for its money and it, that's absence of light. Um, nice. That's, I, you know, that's, that, that is an underrated gem, that track. I, yeah, I, I just was like, wow. I mean, I remember it, but why don't I remember liking it as much as I do now? Like re- every time I heard it, it was better and better. The four five, six times I listened to this album in the last two weeks. And um, I, I also uh, really, enjoyed um the the uh middle eastern kind of um vibe from the track egypt uh was also i thought really kind of cool um i remember like my friend nops in college when he was starting to get into metal he always would be drawn to anything that had kind of like a middle eastern flair to it so i thought of him when i heard this track um uh fallen is another track i really enjoyed a lot that i don't remember a ton um same with communion and the Oracle. I mean, this, the album just really stood out to me so much more than it had, but, uh, absence of light and also the final epic track, um, you know, the rediscovery with the, the first track, the little, you know, minute and a half instrumental into the, the 12 minute, you know, epic, um, rediscovery part two, the new mythology, which is just, you know, what you've come to expect from symphony X at this point in time, where there's going to be like this really epic, you know, pro like classical style prog metal song. That's just, you know, hits all the notes that you want from a symphony X, but um, yeah, absence of light really just kind of 
stood out to me as uh, like probably one of the better Symphony X songs I've ever heard. Nice. I, I want to break a. You, there's actually a lot there that I want to break down. I'm gonna. I'll start with Absence of Light. My first time seeing this band was in early 2001, and I saw I saw them at Lemoore's Rock Club in Brooklyn. Um, I went on Setlist.fm to try to just kind of refresh my own recollection of to you know the setlist at that show. It's not there, but I believe they had played New Jersey a week prior. And looking at that setlist, it actually I think it was the same setlist that I saw. Um, but I bring that up because one of the it was a fantastic show and they kind of started with a whole bunch of the their older material uh with a couple of songs off divine wings and even damnation game and 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 they ultimately wind up playing eight songs in a row off of this album so it really kind of feels like you're hearing the whole thing although they obviously skipped certain tracks um and then they wind up going back into the classic classic older material to end the show fantastic show but one of the songs that they don't play, ironically enough, is Absence of Light. So it's a song that I've, to this day, I've never heard live. Um, and, and I, I think it really is an underrated, uh, uh, track. So I agree with you there. Um, when I saw that show, there was, uh, I don't know, 25 people in the crowd. Like there was, I mean, it was a really small show. And as I said, at the time that this album came out, they really didn't have much of a following. But what I noticed is that they toured quite a bit for this album and they toured even more for the Odyssey, which came out after this. All of a sudden, I started seeing Symphony X t-shirts at like every show that I went to. And so much so that by the end of this album's uh, run of, of shows, they played to a packed house at the same venue. And it was fascinating to me to see the the, the, the progression just in a couple of years off of this one album, I really think that this is what put them on the map. And, and I think that people started hearing about this album, buying it. And then I saw the, I saw the album cover on shirts for years after the fact, did you see them live at this time? Or did you see them live later on? Uh, much later on, to be honest with you, I, this is one of those bands that eluded me um, as far as seeing them live, especially because I got into them in the late nineties. And then, when I was in college, it was really hard for me to get to shows because I was away from New York City. Um, so I didn't get to see Symphony X until much later. I think by the time I saw them, I believe Iconoclast was their most recent album. So this was, you know, ten, more well, than ten, 10 years later. Yeah. So, uh, uh, let me just, uh, sorry, let me just say one other thing. You know, it's funny because of all the bands that I've seen live and I'll, Dream Theater, I've seen more than anyone. Symphony X is probably a, a close second. I've seen them more than a dozen times. Uh, but most of the shows I saw were, were, in this er- were in this era because I would just not miss a Symphony X show if they came to town. I saw them, uh, like I said, I saw, I saw them do headline shows uh, in front of 30 people. I saw them open for Rob Halford, which was really, really cool. Um, I saw them play a show where they, you know, you know, remember when concerts and you'd go to these clubs and all of a sudden the, the headlining band wouldn't go on until 1230 in the morning. I remember sure. that. And that's one thing I don't miss about. <laughs> that's one thing I don't miss. But I remember seeing them and it was probably in 2002 maybe 2003 and I remember seeing them at a show go on stage at 1230 in the morning and then around 230 in the morning when I thought the set was ending they played all of the Divine Wings of Tragedy song and that's how they closed the set and it's one of my fondest concert memory experiences because even though it was a pretty packed house 
at three o'clock in the morning when you're watching the Divine Winds of Tragedy, if there were 10 people left, it was, it was a lot just because, uh, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and it was, it was uh, you know, it may have been a Saturday, but people did have work on Monday. So, uh, but it was just cool to see, you know, that kind of a show where they're, where they're, you know, they didn't care if they were 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand people in the crowd. They were, they were, they were going with a two and a half hour set at the time. Did, did you happen to see them when they were, um, what, what was the tour they did with dream theater? I think they played at Jones beach and, um, yeah, so they, they did that. I think that if I'm not mistaken, they, that was the, I think that was like the, they nevermore was on that bill. It yeah, was kind yeah. of like this, uh, there were a bunch of bands on that on that bill. I think Anthrax was on that on, on that tour, if I'm not mistaken. There were just uh, a lot of a lot of bands that that they went out on tour, and I did see that. But I think Symphony X only. Played oh, that was that songs. was was that Gigantor? Was that the Megadeth? It was the Megadeth show, but it was interesting because you'd think if Megadeth was doing a show, it would be all thrash bands like Anthrax, but it wasn't. It was it was. I mean, they were bands from all over the place, and it was kind of cool seeing all these genres collide because you know I was I was. A, a fan of Nevermore, and I had heard some of their stuff, and obviously Dream Theater and Symphony X were were at the top of my list. So it was it was that was a really cool show to see. Uh, I, I should mention too, uh, Symphony X has always been a band to me that I, I feel like they have been very um, very light on lot like studio rec- like live studio recordings. They don't have an official DVD or Blu-ray, which is like something I would love to own because I would watch it. Um, but they did release. As far as I know, this is their only official live album. It came out the year after uh, the new mythology suite, and it's called Live on the Edge of Forever. And it's probably very similar setlist-wise to the show you were talking about, the first show at Lemoore's with the uh, 50 people. Where Yeah, this was it. Because ultimately, like I said, when I first saw this tour, they did that, that block of eight songs in the middle. But then for this live album, and it must have been in prep for it, they open with the stuff from this album and then go into the older stuff at the end. And they wind up closing with divine wings. So that this was actually, now that I, now that I look at it, this was the set that I saw at three o'clock in the morning at Lemoore's. And it was just, I mean, this, 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 that, that, that is like, to me, still the best symphony X show I've ever seen. Yeah. They might've ordered it differently for the CD. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, like I said before, when you talk about like, you know, your, your epic symphony X songs you're talking about. This is a set list that had, you know, through the looking glass and, and the divine wings of tragedy, like you mentioned, which are like, you know, that they're two epics from their previous two albums. So, I mean, this is a, a, a double disc live album at this, the, the production's really strong. So, um, if you want to hear some like good, like live symphony X, uh, you know, you know, really, uh, soundboard recordings, like, this is, uh, to, my, to my knowledge, the only thing that really exists outside of maybe some, you know, uh, live festival recordings that you might be able to find on YouTube from Vakken or, or wherever else. But, um, like, high-quality live Symphony X footage is kind of hard to come by. Yeah, it is. And it, I had the same thing in my notes as well about how they just have never come out with a Blu-ray, never came out with a, a full-length DVD. Uh, and even though that set that you mentioned is great uh, – it, it's you know you kind of want to see it too and just it's not that easy for for some reason and they they play live so it's not like it's uh new for them but they just uh for whatever reason they just never um they never came out with it although i have to assume that maybe when things are when they tour again that will be a possibility uh one other thing i i wanted to mention before we before we move on you had mentioned uh rediscovery uh i didn't know this but a lot of the portions of rediscovery and i and i do think it's one of the best songs on the album 
a lot of that was actually going to be on Twilight in Olympus. And I had no idea, but apparently, according to Michael Romeo, they reworked this demo song that they had done for a, a, a title track from that album. They were going to call it Twilight and Olympus. And a lot of that is what actually became Rediscovery. They just repackaged it, kind of reworked it, and they put it as the last track on, on, on this album, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah. And you know, another thing worth mentioning about this track is that um, on my copy of the CD, and I think this was not uncommon. I mean, this is such a, a, a meaty album. I mean, it's, it's gotta be, very close to what can fit onto a CD. And because of that, um, well, it's, you know, it's an hour and two minutes. I don't know what happened, but I mean, on my version of the disc, like the, the, the last minute or two, like the disc just starts skipping and there's all, uh, there's all these issues. And, and the first time I went back and was listening to this, I was like, you know, that I had ripped the, my CD to iTunes and I'm like, Oh God, like, (laughs) I forgot all about this, that there was like uh, an error. I forgot who, who pressed the albums at the time, but um, it, it's, it was, I guess uh, just some sort of issue that not, wasn't just, you know, unique to me. A, a bunch of people had problems with their disc. And so um, I had to, to find a, a clean version of the song to replace the one that I had. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And it kind of took me back to something I remember hearing when I was younger, that this was not, an uncommon problem. Yeah, I, I actually think I had the same issue with my disc. Now that now that you mention it, um, it's it's and I remember the album being longer. And I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing, but maybe it's just because I enjoyed it so much. It actually moved faster than I thought it would um, this time around. Uh, it, you know, it's it's funny. This to me was very much a transitional period for the band. Uh, the Odyssey is kind of in the same vein. In my opinion, it's not as strong as this album, but to many people, some people actually think it's their best album, but it, it was like they flipped the switch after the Odyssey and all the albums that sound after it almost sound like a completely different band. Uh, people joke about like angry Russell Allen because of just his vocal style on the latter discs. To me, this was always the best Symphony X, right? That, that early stuff where he's doing songs like The Accolade, uh, Communion in the Oracle, which by the way is my track of the week. I think that is one of the best Symphony X songs of all time. I think it's one of the best progressive metal songs of all time. how it goes from, you know, the real heavy stuff. And then you have this beautiful, like long symphonic ballad in the middle of the album, but with the most catchy melody. I love that track. But, but the reason I say that is that is, it it just stands in such contrast to the stuff that they would do after the Odyssey. I, I, I've never been a fan of, of the symphony X, the symphony X discs of the last 20 years. I I just can't get into them. And and maybe it's me. I I don't know. Well, I I think that they're, they kind of turned away from the more classical elements of those early albums and became kind of like a crunchier, thrashier 
Uh, especially the last two albums, uh, Iconoclast and Underworld, which I enjoyed just fine, but um, it's just it doesn't. Ha- I don't know, like it just doesn't. It doesn't um, have the melody that these songs. Yeah, it, it, it's not that classic Symphony X that we heard. You know, I know I I, I always go back. There's a track on Paradise Lost Light. For, I absolutely love called Eve of Seduction. And I remember hearing a rumor like ar- around this time that this song was going to be on Guitar Hero. And that's kind of where I was like, wow, people are talking about Symphony X being Guitar Hero. That's wild. But um, there's definitely a turn. like, And I totally agree with you. And there's a, a pretty long gap between the Odyssey and Paradise Lost. But it's almost as if they were trying to maybe, you know, do have a sound that was a little bit more... Uh, radio friendly or accessible to, to more uh, casual, you know, hard rock fans. Um, and listen, it worked. I mean, they, they they got they got more people in the audience. You got you you would hear them on XM radio even to this day. I'll, I'll once in a while I'll catch them on Liquid Metal or something like that. It definitely worked, and they were paying playing bigger venues in front of more people. I have to assume they were making more money. They've done some really big tours, and I think they were scheduled to go out on tour. Um, when COVID hit, I, th- I had tickets to go see them last May. But I-, I have to be honest, even when you look at the the more recent set lists, they don't really play a lot of this stuff uh, live anymore. You-, you-, you often get evolution from this album, which is not surprising. It's probably the crunchiest song on the disc. But, you know, the chances of seeing Through the Looking Glass or a song like uh, The Accolade, they don't really play it anymore. And that to me – and again – Maybe it's because I this is what I grew up on, so I have a soft spot in my heart for what I lo- fell in love with as a kid. But I, I I appreciate what they're trying to do. I it's just not like I'd rather listen to the old stuff. I, it's just it's a classic example of them taking a, a direction which it's just not what I wanted to hear from my Symphony X. Right. I mean the the only time I saw them was when they headlined uh, at Prague Power, and I mean the set list was. Uh, Book ended with um, Divine Wings of Tragedy to start and the Odyssey to end, and everything in between was off of Iconoclast. So, like, they didn't touch anything before, like, anything else from their first five albums, um, other than Divine Wings, which I believe they were celebrating an anniversary at the time. And we were speculating, you know, holy crap, like, could they come out and play the whole album? And and it ended up they they threw us a bone and played all of uh, all of the song "Divine Wings of Tragedy," but not the whole album. And and you know the whole middle of the set was just all tracks for, from Iconoclast, maybe something from Paradise Lost. But I mean that was that was it. And, and you know I'm with you. Like it's kind of I think we've discussed it either uh, on the show or, or privately about Camelot with the same difference, where it's kind of like. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of moving away from the older stuff that, that was so, like so inspiring for us when we were younger. Um, and it's like stuff you want to hear songs from fourth legacy and, and karma and Epica. And it's the same thing with symphony X. You, you know, we still want to be able to go to a live show and hear songs from damnation game and divine wings and twilight and Olympus and new mythology suite. And, and, you know, it just kind of stinks that you're probably not going to be able to, hear that many songs you know if any the more newer stuff they come out with and if that's the stuff that's selling records for them then they're gonna you're gonna hear songs from underworld and iconoclast yeah i I don't and i don't blame them i mean obviously it's working for them it's just not what i want to hear i guess um 
let me ask you, you had sent me a text message privately about this. When you listen to this album, what is one of the first things you think of just in terms of the overall feel of this album? It, it's got like this uh, almost like video game, like like a modern video game soundtrack of like kind of like a Castlevania or like a, a role-playing game. Like, And I always thought that about Symphony X, that their music, especially their older stuff, really would lend well to like a really epic like game adventure. I always... For whatever reason, I always thought the song uh, Out of the Ashes from the Divine Wings album would be like amazing Castlevania boss music with just that super fast like guitar work and keyboards and stuff. Um, I just always so like I was thinking that even listening to this album like that, it just uh, it's just very like Castlevania ish. I I, I totally, totally agree. And maybe it's because of the timing of the album. Maybe it's on the heels of the game. But when I think of like to me the perfect example is the death of balance which is one of the best instrumental tracks not that long but a very very good instrumental track and to me it just it's it's as if it's like a bonus track to the symphony of the night soundtrack that's how good that's its song is and how well it fits that particular game um it's 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 almost amazing and when you if you close your eyes you almost feel like it that that you're listening to that soundtrack which was also ahead of its time and probably a discussion for another day but um some of the stuff they do just feels like it belongs on like a a sony playstation castlevania soundtrack from 1999 yeah i i definitely agree Uh, especially like a lot of the the more um instrumental and like classical style tracks um it's it's i'm almost like kind of flabbergasted at at how i didn't pay close enough attention to this album for as long as i did um well with that what 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 is your track of the week you alluded to it earlier you said that you knew what it was going to be before listening to it i assume it hasn't changed what what is your track of the week well it's a fool's paradise uh it's Kind of like exactly what I was alluding to at the beginning of the episode where um, that, that, you know, that crunchy, like out, you know, out the gates, just awesome prog metal song that, you know, if you listen to the first three tracks on Divine Wings, it's just like one, one banger after another, like you said. And this is one of those songs that would have fit right into that mold um, along with the, uh, the evolution song, which is the second track after the, the intro um shout out to uncle knops he always loved uh evolution the grand design it was always a, a favorite track of his but um yeah fool's paradise i don't know at what point because i don't think this was a a staple of any of their live sets but um at some point maybe it just came on while i was just shuffling all my music and it just hit me like a ton of bricks like damn this is such a such a great song and it's just such a such a perfect example of what symphony x was in the 90s and in early 2000s is this the end of all we know innocence lost so long ago woven dreams the darkest of schemes now takes hold of our destiny decades of greed like famine and war we can't go It's always been my favorite song on this album, and that was back when I didn't really know the album that well and appreciate it. And now that I know the whole album and appreciate the whole album, I can safely say it's still my favorite track on the album. 
Although nice. I, I, I care, I care for the rest of the tracks a lot more now, but um, mm-hmm. I, I they, they couldn't unseat it. It's it's just such an awesome song, and again, like just really, uh, just really like what Symphony X was all about at, at this time. Uh, in spite of like there being so many of those you know instrumental tracks, and again, this is really more of a story, uh, you know, more of like a, a journey than any album that Symphony X has had done up to this point. But um, yeah, this was definitely uh. A, a great way to kind of get you ready for that last part of, of the rediscovery parts one and two and just kind of take it home with those. But uh, yeah, I, like that just the whole like end of the disc, like absence of light into fool's paradise into rediscovery part one and two. I mean, like it's it, the disc gold. ends on such a strong note. Yeah. It's, it's gold. And I think it speaks to how strong the album is. Uh, I, I wanted to mention one other thing in 2018, Michael Romeo, came out with a, uh, a, a solo album called War of the Worlds. And I actually really, really enjoyed that disc. It reminded me of, obviously it had a little bit of that new Symphony X flavor to it, but it actually did harken back to some of the older stuff and the way that he composed the songs. Uh, and, and I thought this singer who I had never heard before, and his name escapes me, but the singer on that album did a really good job. Um, I, a very underrated solo album, definitely worth checking out. And I'll, and I'll tell you one other quick Romeo story, just because I think it's a testament to how much of a how much these guys were just great live. I I had tickets to see them at a place out here on Long Island. This had to be back in two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Um, I, I go to the show. Symphony X starts playing, and if you've never seen Symphony X live, Michael Romeo has this pearly white guitar that he seems like he's had forever um and he's on stage and he's playing the guitar and i I don't recall what song it was but apparently he cuts his thumb on something and all of a sudden the the white guitar is now blood red because he literally cut his finger open and starts bleeding all over the place and as i'm watching this i say to myself that's it. The show is over. There is no way they're going to be able to play with their one guitar player, like bleeding profusely on his guitar, no less. Well, long story short, they bandage him up and the show must go on, right? They wind up playing the entire set. And to this day, I have no idea how he played for another hour and a half with like bandages on his thumb. And it was, I believe it was on his right hand. I have no idea how he was able to play like that for the rest of the show. And it's just something that always stuck out uh, to me about him, how much of a warrior he was to get through that set. And again, you know, it, it was, it was, it was an awesome show. I just have no, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have been upset if they would have just said, I'm sorry, we can't continue because our guitar player is like losing his thumb on stage. I, I when you described that, I pictured Ric Flair getting busted open and having the red hair, the red blood all over his white hair. And I'm you telling see that. You, that's exactly what it looked like. It was, <laughs> it was, it was incredible. Uh, we'll post a picture of that if, for those who haven't seen it, but he had a crimson mask on his finger and on his guitar. And there he is playing, you know, church in the machine. It was, it was, it was a sight to behold. So it was kudos to them. Check out the solo album. If you haven't, you know, having gone back and really digested this album, what do you rate it on a scale of one to 10? Yeah, this is a this is a nine point for me. Uh, just I don't know that it I don't know that it gets to the, the the divine wings level for me on a whole. And I think I think that this is an album where um, how, how does the saying go about uh, the sum and parts of the whole? Um, 
<laughs> sometimes the the sum of the parts is greater than the you know the whole or something. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like this this album, like if, if you listen to each song individually, I don't think it's as strong as if you listen to it as a, as a full album together. Whereas I think that maybe some of the tracks from uh you know earlier albums you know especially like sea of lies and smoke and mirrors and, and tracks like that maybe are, are stronger than anything on this album for me but as far as a, an overall album goes i think that it might be their best overall album because i mean like even the older symphony x albums have songs i'm not a particularly a huge fan of whereas i think everything on five the new mythology suite is is really strong um so i mean i think this is has room to maybe get to like a 9.5 for me with more time i mean it's almost like a, a new it, album it's been 20 me. years dude if you have if it's if it's not there yet i'm not sure it's getting to a 9.5 not that there's anything wrong with a nine but i mean how, how long do you have to let it marinate well i mean it, it's it just started for me like this week so um, <laughs> okay. i just put it in the fridge to this week so i'll let you know in 20 uh in 2040 how i feel about it <laughs> we'll, but, uh, we'll revisit we'll start doing the albums that we did in 2020 and we'll start doing them again in 20 years and see if we have their same ratings um i agree with you this is a nine for me as well it is a it is an absolute masterpiece and and one of these days and, and by one of these days i mean maybe one of these years we should actually go back and do it in an album like underworld I, i'm curious to see if i appreciate it any more now than i did when it came out six years ago not my thing uh but you know i appreciate it for what it is it's just i'd rather hear i'd rather hear the old stuff uh, you know, for me, like the last three Symphony X albums, it's like there's songs that I really, really like, and then it's not there's songs, and then there's songs that I just don't remember. Like, yeah, they're just, just you know, what did what did Nick say uh, that the the word that I used on a previous podcast, unremarkable? Yes, I believe that was it. Yes, <laughs> that's that, that's a lot of stuff that to me was unremarkable. But like, then there's songs like um, like Nevermore from their latest album that I absolutely love. I love Children of a Faceless God from iconoclast i love eve of seduction i mentioned uh earlier uh from paradise lost like there's some some of my favorite symphony x tracks are off of these more recent albums but just as far as uh on a whole um they just haven't really blown me away with anything in a while well i uh i can't disagree with any of that it would be interesting to go back and listen to it but that is not what we're going to do next week uh i i haven't picked an album in a long time and i you know i it's funny you mentioned gigantor a, a while ago um just because i i almost forgot that symphony x was on that bill but but uh anthrax was on the bill and that is actually who we're doing next week and i, I swear we didn't discuss this ahead of time but i wanted to we haven't done any thrash metal and i know that you are obviously you know a big fan of megadeth and some other bands and we have some thrash requests which we'll be getting to in the coming months but i wanted to go back uh to 1987 march of 1987 when anthrax came out with their among the living album which are many consider to be uh their their best work and it's an album that i particularly enjoy uh, so I want to go do uh, Among the Living by Anthrax next week, which uh, I've got some pretty fun stories about them as well, which I, I think people will enjoy. And they were on Gigantor, so it's a nice segue into next into next week's show. Cool. All right. Um, have you I, ever heard the album? I don't think you have. I have a you know like a couple, a couple tracks like the working am, knowledge of some of the some of yeah, the hits, if you will. Yeah, like I am the Law and Indians and um, just 
yeah, I, I'm not super familiar with it, so well, you I'll will look, be because yeah. uh, there's there's some there's some real gems on this uh, on this album, and and there's a there's a lot going on here. Thrash metal, you know, in 1987 is really coming to coming to uh, a head and, and coming on strong, and, and this, like I said, is is kind of their um, their magnum opus. Considered by many, not necessarily my favorite, but it, 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 we'll, we'll get to that next week. I, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. So uh, start, uh, you know, getting your neck ready because you're going to be headbanging to Among the Living all of next week. Okay, I'll make sure to again listen to the correct album in in preparation. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep ripping helps. on my I'm gonna keep ripping on myself for that at least for a few more weeks because um. I just uh, feel kind of like an idiot, but uh, <laughs> listen, um, you got to listen, you got to listen to two weeks of symphony X and there's not th- that that's not a bad thing. So, yeah. And I think that it actually had an effect on, on what I, you know, ranked the album as just maybe those it, it extra marinated two longer. Three. And that's why I got up to a nine, right? Yeah. Well, an extra two or three listens really made a, a difference to me. So uh, I'm glad that it, it's funny. Cause like, I almost said to you, I'm glad you chose that. And I forgot that I was the one who picked it. Um, <laughs> And I think oh, wow. maybe it was I, – I recognized that I needed to give it another go, and I know that you've always spoken so highly of it, and that was part of the, my reasoning for choosing it. So I'm glad that we did. It's one of the the benefits of, of us doing the show for me is kind of uh, t- being able to take the time to kind of um, you know reopen my, my ears and listen to something that may have eluded me or just didn't grab me you know, originally. So um, this is definitely one of those examples of that. And, and next week will be an example of something that I just missed completely that I'll be listening to pretty much for the first time. So I'm yeah, well, to be to fair, that. you were five when it came out. So I think you have, a, you get a pass for that. But I, you know, like I said, sometimes we do stuff that we know this is symphony X. I could, I didn't even need to listen to because I knew the album so well, although I'm glad I did. This is something I really need to go back and, and, and take a good listen to because it's been, it's been quite some time since I've heard it. Um, and, and I don't know that I've played it that much. So uh, especially for you, who I know have, has not heard some of these tracks. So it, sh- it should be interesting. Uh, leave us a good review if you think we deserved it. Obviously, it helps other people see the show. Uh, we've gotten some very, very good feedback. So we, we appreciate that. And we will come back to you next week with some anthrax. Sounds good, my friend. Have a good week, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, buddy.